For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Celeste Simmons. Today I'm here with Ward Hicks, a master beekeeper and former BYU-Idaho professor. Thank you for meeting with me today, Ward. Thank you. Glad to be here. Beekeeping is a trade that you really don't hear about often. How did you get into beekeeping? Well, I guess we could say it started a long time ago. <clears throat> my, <clears throat> my grandmother, she started me when I was a teenager. Probably I was 15 or 16 years old. And her grandparents kept bees, and her actually her great-grandparents, actually it was her grandparents, yes. And they hauled bees in a covered wagon in southern Utah through a hole in the rock. If you can imagine, they had a beehive strapped to a wagon, and they drove the wagon from Escalante to Bluff, Utah, all through the rough country, down through there. And they kept bees, and so she was exposed to it, and so I began my interest because of her. Wow, what an interesting story. Can you kind of elaborate on the background of that and your ancestors and with beekeeping? Well, uh, my great-grandparents uh, were um, the Holyoaks, um, Mary Luella Holyoke, and her grandmother was, her mother was um, Henry Holyoke and Sarah Ann Holyoke, and they were called by the church to settle Bluff or they called it the San Juan Mission in southeastern Utah. And they were living in Paraguna, Parawan, and the leaders of the church asked if they, were, they called people on missions and they were to just pack up and move their things and settle a new part of the territory of Utah. And so they um, thought it would be a six-month journey. They went from uh, Parawan to Escalante and then from there to uh, bluff, but they didn't realize there was a huge canyon called a Glen Canyon, and it was a. They get to the edge of a cliff. There's a two thousand foot drop. How do you get wagons and cattle and horses and everything over the edge of a cliff? And so they had to find a place, which was a little a slot that they blasted out and drilled out, and they made a hole through the edge of the cliff, and they took all their wagons down, crossed the river, and out the other side. But it was. It was extremely rough country. It took them six months to do it rather than six weeks. It was a very, very rough experience for those people, but they all made it. Nobody, there were no casualties. And they settled the area of, um, we could call it Montezuma, Bluff, Monticello. And my grandmother was born in Moab. So she came from that group of people. And she'd always been interested in bees and she had kept bees as a, as a child and growing up. And so when I was uh, about, uh, you know, like I say, about 15 years old, she asked me if I'd like to uh, start it. I, would, I was thrilled about it because I was reading about it, honeybees in the library at school and asking her questions, and she'd tell me the whole process of how it's all done. It was just fascinating to me, and I wanted to do it. So I, I remember we purchased our first package of honeybees out of the catalog, it was a Montgomery Ward farm catalog that we ordered them from. They came in the mail. The post office called me when they were there, and we went down and picked them up, and we started putting everything together. And I've been involved in it ever since then. So it's been a fascinating hobby, a, a fascinating sideline to do, and I think it's a, it's a great occupation. What a fascinating background and a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing does the art of beekeeping help you feel connected to your ancestors in any way? Yes, I think it does because 
they had done it, and I had learned from my grandmother, and I have some very fond memories of the two of us working together in the, the bee yard, and we built the frames, built the boxes, put the bees in, and just spending time with my grandmother outdoors and just learning about things from her. So yes, I still think of her quite often, and I give her tribute for things that I've learned. In fact, many of the techniques I use, I actually learn from her. So, uh, and I have still in my possession some of her equipment. And is beekeeping something that you can do in your backyard, or is there somewhere special that you have to keep the beehives? Well, honeybees can be kept just about anywhere. Uh, You can put them in a backyard. I know there's people who have them on top of apartment buildings. They're in the city, in the country. There are hotels that have them on top of the roof, and they produce their own honey for their uh, menu (laughs) that they provide their guests. There are... You can keep them just about anywhere. Honeybees will fly about three three miles from their hive. So that provides uh, a quite a area of forage. Unlike other livestock where you have to have, you know, a pasture, you have to have it fenced off and kept. Honeybees are free range. Uh, they, are, they roam all over. And so wherever there's floral sources, that's where they'll go. And um, they are can be quite gentle for the most part. You can keep them, um, like I say, in a backyard or someplace where, you know, you're not in the direct line of path. You don't want, you know, people walking in front of their the flight patterns. But overall, they can be kept just about anywhere that there are good floral sources. Okay. And do you have to make any accommodations to beekeeping during the winter months in Rexburg? And how does beekeeping change throughout the different seasons? During the winter, honeybees, um, their natural uh, behavior is to form a tight cluster when the temperatures get cold. And they uh, disconnect the muscles from their wings a little bit and they create, the, they, they shiver their bodies and they create a heat inside this cluster. And in the interior of that cluster, it's about 92 degrees. And they can keep that quite warm, even though it's very, very cold outside. They can, they're very hardy at being able to manage uh, their brood nest temperature. They, have, uh, they form this tight cluster. The queen is in the middle. And then the ones on the outside will gradually move in. And so everybody takes their turn being the outer shell. But they're able to maintain a, a pretty good uh, temperature and, and manage to keep themselves alive and of course the the their source of energy is the honey that they eat and that is transformed into energy inside the hive in fact i've seen some beehives in the middle of the winter where the snow is melted off the top because there's so much heat generated inside so as a beekeeper most of the time bees can survive cold temperatures but there are other factors that really need to be taken care of First of all is they need to be healthy. And many beekeepers lose bees in the wintertime because the bees are not healthy. They are having a lot of problems with mites. Uh, there's a little mite that it gets on the bee, and it's, it's a vector of viruses. And a lot of bees succumb to these viruses. And yes, winter is a stressful time, 
for honeybees, but once they are exposed to a virus, it uh, degrades all of their abilities to function properly. They can't thermoregulate the hive very well when they have those viruses. They have a hard time uh, digesting their food. They have a hard time navigating when it comes, you know, time for flying. There's a lot of problems that the the mite brings, and that is a a big, big problem. And so uh, beekeeping has changed since the 1980s. That's when the mites became prevalent. And as such, beekeeping has become much more difficult to do. You're thinking about that. You're trying to kill a little bug on a big bug, and you don't want to hurt the big bug, but yet you've got to get rid of the little small bug, the, the, the mite that vectors these viruses. So getting bees through the winter, the main thing is you need to make sure your bees are healthy, virus-free, mite-free, and they, they have plenty of food to survive. You think about it here in Rexburg, you know, most of our flowers start to pretty much die out when we have our first frost. And that can happen, you know, in September, first part of September. And there's nothing for them to forage on until April, May sometimes. And I've noticed sometimes I've seen snow on the ground here in April and not much blooming. And so you have a long winter that they have to survive. And that's what they eat is the honey that they've stored And as a beekeeper, you have to make sure they have stored enough for them to eat and so that they have plenty of food to eat. And then, of course, the number one thing is that they're healthy beginning the winter season. Wow. Beekeeping sounds like a Mm. lot of work. (laughs) There's lots of details and things that you have to think about. Right. There's some people who say, well, it's easy. The bees do all the work. All you do is get the honey. But that's not true. Right. (laughs) You would know. (laughs) And what inspired you to become a master beekeeper? When did you decide that that was something you wanted to do? Well, I had, you know, I've always been into teaching and I've taught uh, in the public schools and I've also taught here at the university for about 19 years. And I like teaching and I've enjoyed teaching. And I've, as I was doing the beekeeping, I get a lot of people who would ask me how to do it. They want to get started. They want to know, you know, what are the steps to, to becoming, you know, be successful with it. And so I found that there were some opportunities for teaching classes. And um, there was a, a time when BYU-Idaho had a program called Community Connections, and they had classes for the community, you know, different things that uh, people could come on campus and take some, some you know, fun cl- courses or classes. And so we, we started a beekeeping for beginners course on campus, and we did that for a, a few years. And then things changed on campus and they didn't have any more classes available for the public. But I still had people asking me, could I take a class on beekeeping? And I thought, well, maybe I should just start my own classes. And so I did. I started my own classes. And in the process of doing that, I realized, you know, there's a lot I need to learn about this. this a, there's so much to learn. And I had learned that there were uh, some master beekeeping courses available. One specifically was at the University of Montana. And they had a, it was a three-step program. You had an apprentice program. You go through that and then they'd have a journeyman and then a master level. So I went through those three courses. It took quite a while to do, but it was a fantastic experience. Got to learn a lot from, you know, um, highly qualified professors, people who were very astute in the field of entomology and it was a tremendous eye-opening experience to learn about honeybee behavior, honeybee biology, and the art of of keeping bees and being successful at it. As I said, it's a 
challenge because of you know dealing with their health. So it was a great experience, and I'm glad I did it. And for people that are interested in your classes, how can they uh, find out when the classes are, and how can they sign up? Well, I actually have two classes coming up uh, right away. I've got uh, one on February 18th here in Rexburg, and I have another one on February 25th in Idaho Falls. And uh, these are classes that we have a textbook that we give out to the students for you know helping you start your beekeeping adventure. We bring in equipment. We talk about all the materials and things you need. We have catalogs, magazines, different things that will be help you really get a jump start on it. So uh, if you'd like to learn more about it, you can visit my website at hickshoney.com. That's H-I-C-K-S, honey, H-O-N-E-Y.com. And then I have the details for the class so you can register and sign up for it. Perfect. And is there anything else that you would like the listeners to know about beekeeping? Well, I just want everybody to know that, um, you know, not, beekeeping is not for everybody. You know, there are certain people who say, oh, I would not want to do that. And why would you want to be involved in a, with an insect that could possibly sting you? <laughs> Which, you know, it, it, it does happen no matter how careful you are. But the point is, I would suggest that we need to protect our pollinators. Honeybees are responsible for about one-third of all the food we eat. Um, you think about it, all the nuts, fruits, vegetables, and cherries, so many of them are completely dependent on honeybee pollination. And that's the number one uh, purpose that honeybees are kept for in a commercial setting is because of their value in pollinating. And if we don't have honeybees, then we, we are at risk of losing uh, uh, access to a lot of our good crops that we enjoy from day to day. But to keep our honeybees healthy and well, one of the things that uh, concerns us as beekeepers is that we have good forage for them. And um, in our society, especially here, you know, in, in certain areas, we get into what we call monoculture, where we just grow one crop. You know, you just see acres and acres of grain, for example. Well, that doesn't help honeybees. They don't eat grain. They need other kinds of flowers. So if there's an opportunity for you to plant um, you know, good uh, flowers for pollination, either in your yards or roadsides or open fields or places like that. There are a lot of really good um, plants that are very beneficial for pollinators, not just honeybees, but other things like butterflies, bumblebees, other wild bees that are so important to our ecosystem. And so I would suggest, you know, support uh, beekeeping wherever you can. If it's you know, purchasing honey at a farmer's market, that's one way. Uh, planting good uh, forage for bees, that's another way. Um, just supporting the habitat for native pollinators is, would be another way too. So whatever you, we can do to, to support honeybees and help them uh, continue and thrive, that would be a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much today, Ward, for sharing this information about beekeeping and bees and honey. It's something that I don't think we think about often enough, but it is very important. Um, if you want to find out more or buy honey or take classes from Ward, check out hickshoney.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Celeste. Thank you. <laughs> 